you'll notice that the uh, sermon text and the passage from Romans has to do with the future coming of Jesus. And historically, on this first day of Advent, the church has what's called a lectionary, which is common readings. And on the first day of Advent, where we look back to the first coming of Christ, we are encouraged to look forward to the future, which is very appropriate. Because as Christians, we live between two Advents, the past coming of Christ and the future. And the main thing we want to think about is how we live in readiness now. What does it mean to live in readiness? Now, I'm going to refer to a parable that comes from oh, just quite after the passage in Matthew that we read. But it, it is about readiness it's the parable of when the master of the house goes away and what do the servants do when he's gone. And I began to think about some of the mischief I may or may not have made when I was younger. I was a pretty good kid, but I'm the youngest of five, so my next sister left the home to go off to college five years ago, so I spent time alone, and my parents would go out. They would go out to dinner. They would go out to the store. And do you want to hear the worst thing that I did? Is I really was a pretty good kid. But I was something of a pyromaniac. And back then, we were, you were allowed to burn trash in the yard, and I was always setting things on fire. My parents went away, and my dad was a pipe smoker. And he had a pipe with tobacco, and he had one of those lighters. Remember those lighters that you would fill with lighter fluid? <laughs> those? When, when they left, I would play with that. I would light his lighter. Well, one time it needed lighter fluid, and so I poured it in, and I got it all over my hand. And I lit the match, and I set my hand on fire. And it really hurt, and so I was, I was sticking it in water. And then my mom quickly came home, and she said, Hey, Bruce, what'd you do? Did you hurt yourself? What did you do? And I said, Oh, my, I fell off my bike. I lied. I admit it. <laughs> I, that's one of the worst things I did. But when mom and dad are away, let's make some mischief. Let's just set our hand on fire. And I don't think that I ever actually told him what I did. But that is kind of the theme we're looking at. It's while you are waiting the return, what are you doing now? As Christians, we live between the times, as we call it, the first coming of Christ and the second coming, because Advent means coming, right? We live between the first Advent and the second. And I've always been fascinated with books and movies that have to do with time.
time and time travel. It might have been H.G. Wells who started this. He wrote the book, The Time Machine. Any of you read that book? Written in 1895, where it's a machine where you could go back and forward. And of course, the classic treatment of this is the movie Back to the Future, where they make a time machine out of a DeLorean car. Anyone <laughs> remember those cars? And if you got it up to a certain speed, it would go back in time. And they're playing with time. It, was fil it took place in 1985, and then they go back to 1955. And Marty McFly, the protagonist, sees his parents when they were young, and he's able to keep them together so that he actually exists in the future. And I remember the, in the third movie, because they made three of them, his mentor, Doc Brown, was always telling Marty not to focus so much on the future and trying to change the future. And Marty's saying, what about the future? And the very final line says, you know, it, it, it hasn't been written yet. It's what you make it. And it's this whole idea of only you can control what happens to you in the future. It, now, there's some truth to that, but as Christians, we live under the authority and the sovereignty of God, and there is an eternal high time horizon in which we live in readiness now because of the coming of Jesus. And that's what we want to look at because Advent is, it isn't just about us and us controlling our destiny. The first Advent is about God's supernatural intervention into this world to save us and to restore everything that was ruined near the beginning of time. And so Jesus with his disciples into us makes us look forward to his second coming. Now, you may remember, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, is that in the context, the disciples are looking at Jerusalem and this glorious temple. They had been remarking on its beautiful stones and its beauty, and Jesus said to them, this whole thing is going to be burned to the ground Every stone is going to be scattered. And it, it didn't even occur to them that life would go on without the temple. But it looked forward to the end of the age when he would return. And that there would be the destruction of the entire cosmos and a remaking of it in perfection. We looked at that a few weeks ago. But the focus now is think of that and think about living in readiness. And he says, about that day and hour, no one knows. You're wondering when it's going to come? No one knows. Neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. You know, a lot of Christians have a lot of focus on the second coming of Christ, a lot of focus on date setting. This Middle Eastern dictator means it's going to come then. And so far, they've all been wrong. So the fact is, don't. You can't know. No one knows. 
but the focus is on being prepared because most people won't be. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. So he looks back really to a story that takes place in Genesis 6 through 9. It's about Noah and the flood. Noah was told, build a huge ark, a huge boat. Get pairs of animals, get the men. Because a flood is going to come. And you need to get on the boat before it does. So build a boat on dry land, which seems a crazy thing to have to do. But Noah, a man of faith, believed and obeyed. And they got on, and at some point, the flood came. And the rest of the world was caught unprepared. They probably knew it was coming. But they went about going about business as usual. Eating, drinking, living normal lives. And they were caught completely unaware. Had they been aware, they probably would have acted differently. Oh, speaking of floods, I remember a similar thing happening in our house. Remember this? Ah, it was 2016. It's 2006. It was 2006, right? Yes. We were at work. The kids were at school. And I get a call from Callie saying, there's water in the house. I don't think it, there's, it's supposed to be here. So I get home first, late afternoon, and I walk in the house, and, uh, and we have three floors, upstairs, downstairs, and basements, and on our first floor, there's two inches of water on the floor. It destroyed the floor, it went down into the basement, ruined there, it destroyed walls, and what happened is there had been like a plumbing leak up on the second floor. It was a slow leak, but it had a chance to leak all day because no one was there to see it and stop it. <laughs> and multiply that by eight hours and you have a flooded, destroyed house. Now State Farm fixed it, it's all good. But I thought, if someone had been there, and seen the leak, they would have stopped it. Wouldn't have been a flood. But no one was there. No one was aware. And that's the point. Is this massive cosmic flood came. And other than eight, Noah's wife, three sons, three spouses, no one was ready. They were simply going about 
their normal business. They were eating and drinking, doing the things you do to stay alive, making a living. They were marrying and giving in marriage. Wonderful things, carrying on the human race, procreation. Absolutely good. Luke's version adds a couple more things. They were buying and selling. They were carrying on business. They were planting and building. They were building family wealth, attaining a house, building a business. Is there anything wrong with any of those things? No, we all do them. This is what we all do in this world to carry on life. Christians do them. Non-Christians do them. You are young. Your parents raise you. You go to school. You get a job. You get married. You get promotions. You get a house. You have children. They go to school. They get jobs. They get married. They have children. Normal things that are good. But the point Jesus is making is people were caring about their business, but they were unaware of the end that came. And this is what Advent points us to, is that it's the whole difference of having an eternal time horizon that, that you look for. Because if your only horizon is now, life will only be about eating, drinking, buying, selling, planning, building, building, marrying, giving, marriage. That's all it will be about. And what happens eventually? At some point, it ends. At some point, it ends. Thus far, it has ended for everyone when they die. That might happen to us. Or when Christ returns. But at some point, it all And do you live in that awareness or do you just go about your business as if what you're doing now lasts forever because it won't? Then, at the second advent, two will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left, two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Two will be in the field, going about their business, making a living. One carried off to judgment, one remains. Two women grinding, tending to household matters. One carried off, one remains with Christ. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Now, when does a thief come to your house? 
when you're not ready or when you're not there. I only recall one time our house getting robbed. My brother was working at McDonald's and he would open up and he had to get up at like 3.30 because he had to be there at 4 o'clock. And a thief came and started stealing tires off the back of our car. But he got up at four and interrupted them and scared them away because they came when they thought no one was awake. That's when the thief comes, when you're not there, when you're not ready. So it is that the Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect. Meaning, you can't know the time, you never will. Don't predict it. So it simply means live in a state of readiness. Now, what does that mean? It simply means living your life for the glory of God, for the good of others, in service to him and not just you. Jesus has already talked about this. But I'll remind you, remember the story in Luke 12 about the man who had a bumper crop? And he had more crops that he knew what to do with. And he said this. And Jesus was talking about greed and he told him the parable. The land of this rich man produced abundantly. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and goods. And listen to this. I'll say to my store, soul, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. What is his time horizon? My life. And what does he plan to do? Eat, drink, be merry. And Paul later talks about this, 1 Corinthians, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And in one way or another, if you don't have the eternal advent, the second advent in your mind, that's what you'll do. This life is all I have, and I'm going to get what's mine now, and hope for the best. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you and the things you've prepared, whose will there be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. During this time of Advent, when we look back to the first coming, look forward to the second, and in faith live in readiness now. And here's the parable I referred to earlier, just after this in Matthew 24, 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household? 
to give the other servants their allowance of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find at work when he arrives. Truly, I tell you, he will put that one in charge of all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, and he begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he doesn't expect him and in an hour that he does not know. And he'll cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is the picture of a rich house owner who goes away and he puts kind of the chief servant in charge of all the other servants. So that servant has a choice of how to live while the master's away. Is he going to play with his father's lighter fluid and set his hand on fire like I did? Or be responsible? On the one hand, he could beat the fellow servant, eat and drink, and act like the master's never coming back, or... He'll simply care for the other servants, giving them their food at the proper time, knowing that the master's coming back. And it's a very simple image. But we are stewards of our lives, waiting for the master of the universe to return. Might happen in our life, it might not. We don't know. But the focus is on being faithful with what you have been given. And notice that this involves the very mundane and normal things of life. Eating and drinking, grinding in the fields, working your job, serving Christ in whatever he's given you to do with your family, with your friends, with your church now. This is what Paul said in Romans 13, 11 through 14. And he, he focuses on readiness and how you live in the night and how you live in the day. Besides this, you know what time it is. How it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So she was the image of night and day. The night's far gone. The day is near. Put off the works of the flesh and put on the Lord Jesus Christ, which means walking in the spirit, bearing his fruit in everything you do. So I want you to think about that this Advent. Because Advent, as people 
around us, Christian and non-Christian alike, focus on Christmas, it is about preparation. And it all started with Thanksgiving, right? Lots of preparation. Decorations going up, lights going up, Christmas trees. We're allowed to watch Christmas movies once Thanksgiving comes. Always start with Miracle on 34th Street. There's these wonderful rituals you do to prepare about a month out for Christmas, the first Advent. But that's a picture of preparing for the second. That we prepare by serving Christ, by living in holiness, by living in repentance and faith, by living in generosity. And I'll remind you of several of the stories we looked at in the last couple of months. The story of the man who built the bigger barns, the, the rich man and Lazarus, the confrontation Jesus had with the rich young man who walked away from Jesus because he couldn't give up his money. These were cases where Jesus was confronting the issue of wealth. Is it about you and what you can pile up? Or do you have an eternal time horizon where you are using this in generosity for the glory of God and the good of others? Because what Advent means is that you can live in hope without anxiety. Now listen to this. I was talking to a person just this past week. Oh, they worked for Charles Schwab and I was talking to them about some financial things. And the woman I was talking to about finances, she had just had her first baby. She's on just the early, she's been married a few years, just had her first baby, just got back from maternity leave. And she, I know she, I don't think she's a Christian, but she began to talk about this, and she knows we have a house in Maine and, and that kind of thing. And she just started talking, and she said, oh, you know, one of my clients who's younger than you, he just bought this new house in Maine. He and his wife were supposed to go there and spend the rest of their lives there, and he just died. And he's younger than you. And then she said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't, want, didn't mean to say that. And I said, it's okay, because this is a reality I live with. But she said, you know, life is so short. And she said, your life expectancy is 92. And I said, oh, I'm very well aware of that. And you have things, and then they're gone. Yeah, that's true. But as a Christian, you don't need to live in anxiety about that. Because that's not what we live for. We have hope in Christ who died, who rose again. And who will raise you one day at his second advent. But it means faith and not apathy. That right now counts forever. That even as we celebrate the first advent... We live in readiness for the second. 
by loving God, of following Christ in faith, and putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Even as we look forward to his return, it changes everything. Amen. Please join me in, in prayer.